edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, which includes anyone with a visual impairment who is unable to read a newspaper. And we have the permission of the Worcester News, and we're recording on Thursday, March the 16th, 2017. I'm Elizabeth Hill, and this week's team comprises our engineer, Brian Wheelwright, Readers Judith Doherty and Audrey Luxton and clerical uh, work has been done by Carol Hartle. Eileen and Brian Wheelwright and Audrey Luxton are doing the copying. May I extend a very warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our offering. You will hear some emergency telephone numbers. What's on in the local theatres, the obituaries, thought for the week we'll open the birthday book and then we'll have the last past week's headlines sunrise and sunset times followed by stories of interest from the past week the service is quite free to users we are a registered charity but if anyone does wish to make a voluntary donation it can be sent to colin chance house Wilds Lane, WYLDS, in Worcester, WR5, 1DA. And we do thank you for anyone who has made a recent donation. It's very much appreciated. We do like to hear from you if you have any suggestions for improvement, or of course complaints. <laughs> Add a message to your wallet or leave a message on the answer phone. 01905 76 but please be aware we're not here every day. I'm now going to hand over to um, Audrey for the emergency telephone numbers. Okay. I'll repeat again um, wild, our number in Wilds Lane, which is 01905 Worcester Live for theatre bookings 01905 611 427 The Morven theatres are 01684 892277 To contact the police in a non-emergency you can ring 101 Crime Stoppers you can ring on 0800- Five 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 one one one. The Worcester Hub for matters connect, uh, to do with council and the library and all sorts of things go on there. O one nine o five seven six five seven six five. The Norbury Theatre in Droitwich is O one nine o five seven seven o one five four. Out of hours medical assistance, the number is 0300-123-3211 between 6pm and 8pm. Uh, the Infirmary Museum, you might be interested to know about, is 01905-542373. Thank 
Thank you. Now I'm going to hand over to Judith to um, tell us what's on in the local theatres. Right, thank you. Uh, right, yes, first of all, um, the Huntington Hall in Worcester. On Saturday the 18th of March at 7.30pm, um, it's Joe Swift, the TV presenter who digs deep to reveal his fascinating story from his rock and roll youth to becoming one of the country's top garden designers and hear what really happens behind the scenes at the RHS Chelsea Flower Show and Gardener's World. Um, tickets £16. Um, and the Worcester Concert Club, also at the Huntington Hall, presents Musical and Amicable Society, Sunday the 19th of March at 3pm. Um, which includes Sophie Barber, Christian Gagelman and Kate Fawcett on violins, um, Henrik Persson on cello and Martin Perkins on harpsichord. Uh, at the Swan Theatre Vesta Tilly Studio, which is from Wednesday the 22nd, to Saturday the 25th of March at 7.45pm. Tickets £10, concessions £9 are the St John's Players and they're presenting Lucky Sods by John Godber, which um, is obviously um, probably a very funny farce. Uh, at the Swan Theatre again on... Thursday the 23rd of March at 7.30pm the Dyad Productions present Jane Eyre, an autobiography um, from the creators of Austin's Women um, it uh, that's um, yes and that the tickets for those are £14 the Swan Theatre on Friday the 24th of March at 7.30pm um, The Fizzogs uh, Suck It and See tour and they're back they've, they've been there before they're back again with a brand new comedy sketch show with all new material from their favourite characters including Mags and Barb Wayne Kerr The Kids Mr and Mrs Cadabra and of course the world-famous Dancing Grannies. Oh, I don't think uh, mm -hmm. that's one to be missed. <laughs> um, and that's suitable for all ages 14 plus. The Urban Folk Quartet on Friday the 24th of March at 7.30pm in the Huntington Hall again. At Joe Broughton, Paloma Tree... Trigas, Tom Chapman and Dan Walsh are, and they are the Urban Folk Quartet who have been performing since 2009. Uh, Huntington Hall on the 25th of March, Saturday at 7.30pm. Russell Kane, right man, wrong age. Are you 16 years old yet feel 21? Are you 40 but tragically faking 25? Or maybe you're full on 80 years? 
with a heart of three oxen. Um, so that's <laughs> that's obviously another comedy, I'd imagine. Um, and now on to the um, Morven Theatres. Tuesday the 21st of March at 7.45pm. Uh, the story of the Bee Gees. You win again. Which is following its West End debut. Um, and embarks on its first ever nationwide tour. And immerse yourself in the brothers' hits through the 60s, 70s and 80s. Friday, March the 24th at 8pm, Count Arthur Strong, um, using stories and other things that are secret, Count Arthur Strong, showbiz legend, pays tribute to one of the best musicals he can remember, which I think is um, uh, uh, on the sound of music, but it is, does say the sound of mucus. <laughs> there again. <laughs> something different. <laughs> um, something more serious. 28th of March, Tuesday at 7.15. Ian Bostridge with the Bark, St Matthew Passion. And it, he's an international star and joins the finest period instrumentalist and singers of Armonico Concert to bring Bach's masterpiece to life. Um, yeah, now uh, a popular Joseph, one Joseph and the amazing, amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, um, which is a brilliant uh, production. And that's on Tuesday the 21st to Saturday the 25th of March at um, the uh, Festival Theatre at Malvern. And also at the Festival Theatre at Malvern on Tuesday the 28th of March to Saturday the 1st of April at 7.30pm is Lisa Goddard in A Passionate Woman by Kay Meller. Um, she was um, in Bergerac and, yes, honestly, and um, quite well known. Uh, and also songs at the church. Music to commemorate the life, death and resurrection will be played at a church in Worcester. The Elgar School of Music will present a programme including arias and choruses from Passions, Orato Oratorios and Operas at St Martin's Church in London Road at 7.30pm on Saturday, March the 25th. The music will be performed by guest artists, soloists and choirs from the school. And finally, explore gardens. A garden filled with rare plants and spring flowers is opening to the public for a charity event. The garden at 24 Alexander Avenue, Droitwich, will be open between 2pm and 5.30pm on Sunday, April the 16th as part of the National Open Garden Scheme, which sees thousands of gardens welcome in guests each year. All the money raised through admission charges is donated to nursing and caring charities such as Macmillan Cancer Support and Carers Trust and Parkinson's UK. 
At the Garden in Droit, which visitors can enjoy more than 100 clematises and other flowers, along with plants for sale and refreshment. Admission is £3.50 for an adult. Children go free. Thank you. Thank you, Judith. Um, now we have um, the obituaries, those who've uh, sadly passed away recently. Um, these funerals will have already taken place, but I announce the passing of Anne May Woodyatt, who died on February the 22nd. Her funeral was on uh, March the 16th, and donations for St Richard's Hospice can be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, 01905 748811. Bethany Victoria Shipsey, aged 21, passed away suddenly February the 15th. Her funeral service uh, will be um, on the 17th of March and uh, donations in memory of Beth uh, to the RSPCA Worcester and Mid Worcestershire branch uh, can be sent to Worcester Funeral Service 31C Barbourne Road, Worcester, WR11SA. Cynthia, known as Sylve Jones, nay Hollings, passed away February 19th. Her funeral service will have taken place on March the 17th. Donations for the MS Society uh, can be sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 6870, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. And Philip John, CPO, Royal Navy, retired, Orty, who died suddenly February 25th, age 45. His funeral service was held in Middlesbrough on the 17th of March. There will be a memorial service at St Martin's Church, London Road in Worcester on the 1st of April, that's Saturday, the 1st of April at 11am, followed by refreshments at Barbourne Ex-Servicemen's Club in Worcester. Funeral still to take place. John Kane, who passed away February the 20th. <clears throat> Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Monday, March the 20th at 12.15pm. Donations to North Wales Super Kids, um, sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Service, details as before. Harold Harry Massam, passed away February 21st. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, also on Monday, March 20th, at 3.15pm. Donations for St Richard's Hospice can be sent to A.H. Caldicott and Sons. And I just have a phone number, 01584 810281. Roy Porter passed away February 26th, uh, formerly of uh, Moreland Road, Droitwich. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, March 20th at 2.30pm. Donations for Macmillan Cancer Research can be uh, sent to Holland Funeral Service, Malvern, WR143LS. Edward John, known as Ted Miles, passed away February 13th. Um, service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, March 20th at 11.30am followed by a Thanksgiving service at St Andrew's Methodist Church, Pump Street in Worcester at 1pm. Donations for St Richard's Hospice can be left in the collection box at the service or 
um, sent to the Cooperative Funeral Care, 17 Lowsmore, Worcester, WR12RS. <clears throat> Samuel Driver White passed away February the 20th. Um, there is to be a private family cremation and a memorial service at Worcester Cathedral on Monday, May the 22nd at 12.30pm. Uh, a very well-known gentleman and we do have a longer piece about him this evening. So, memorial service May the 22nd at 12.30 in Worcester Cathedral. Peter James, known as Pete Holloway, passed away February 16th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on March 21st at 2.30pm, followed by interment at Aswood Cemetery. Uh, it's actually at the Worcester Crematorium Chapel. Um, inquiries to Cooperative Funeral Care, 17 Lowsmore, Worcester, WR12RS. Telephone 01905 Patricia Joan Bowen passed away February 24th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Tuesday, March 21st at 10.45am. Donations for Dementia UK can be sent to AV Band, details as before. Dennis Bick passed away February 20th. Funeral service, Worcester Crematorium, Tuesday, March 21st at 1pm. Donations for Alzheimer's Research UK or Age UK be sent to EJ Gummery and Son details as before. June Howard passed away peacefully after a long illness. Funeral service on Tuesday, March 21st at St James Church, Oddingley at 2pm. Uh, donations for Oddingley Church. Inquiries to George Crump and Son. Uh, funeral directors 01905 Jean Margaret Jones, née Simmons, passed away February 21st. Memorial service at the Church of St Mary, Doverdale, on Tuesday, March 21st at 2pm. And there'll be a collection in her memory for the Alzheimer's Society available at the church. Francis, known as Elizabeth Millwood, passed away March the 1st. Funeral service at St Joseph's Church, Worcester, Wednesday, March 22nd at 1pm. Followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30pm. Donations for the RNLI can be left at church or sent to EJ Gummery and Son details as before. Frank Neal of Whittington passed away February 27th. Funeral service at St Philip and St James Church, Whittington, Wednesday, March 22nd at 10.45am, followed by private cremation. Donations for the British Heart Foundation and Whittington Church can be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR101HZ. Margaret, known as Marge Broomfield, formerly of Bilford Road, Passed away February 24th, um, much loved wife of the late Jack Broomfield, music teacher. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Thursday, March the 23rd at 11.30am. Uh, donations for Dementia UK can be left on a plate or sent to EJ Gummery and Son. Details as before. 
Edna May Yates. I'm not sure when she passed away. It doesn't say. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Tuesday, March the 28th at 2.30pm. Donations for the Salvation Army can be left in the box or sent to Culpreter Funeral Care Details as before. Uh, Brian Jeff passed away suddenly March the 3rd. Funeral service at St Stephen's Church on Tuesday, March the 28th at 12.15pm. Donations, uh, if desired for place 2B, um, can be left in church or sent to EJ Gummery and Son details as before. Wallace Pierce passed away March the 7th. Service at St John's Parish Church, Clains, on Wednesday, March the 29th at 11.30am and afterwards at the Mug House. Inquiries to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR101HZ. I think I've given those details before. And finally, Thomas Jones of St John's passed away after a long illness on March the 10th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Thursday, March the 30th at 10am. Donations <coughs> for the Midlands Air Ambulance or Faye Turner Suite. Please make checks payable to EJ Gumry and Son donations account. It can be left at the crematorium or sent to EJ Gumry and Son details as before. Our thoughts and prayers go to all of those who have lost loved ones recently. And the thought for this week is taken from St Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, verses 38 and 39. Jesus said to his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Uh, and Judith has the birthday books. Thank you, Judith. Thank you. Uh, yes. Um, Roger Turner has a birthday on uh, the 17th of March. Um, and also on the 17th of March um, is Mark Shaw's birthday. And... On the 22nd of March, um, Mandy Atkinson has a birthday and there are two birthdays, two people have birthdays on the 27th of March, Jane Mitre and Bill Creaney. So um, we wish you uh, all a very happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And Audrey has the headlines for us. Thank you, Audrey. Rest in peace, mate. Worst A&E for trolley weights, victims of the child cyberbullies, ambulance under attack, yet another truck stuck, fighting children close youth club. The sun now rises at 6.18 and the sun sets at 6.15. Thank you, Audrey. And with the first headline story, here's Judith. Right. Uh, tributes have been paid to a man whose body was found in a canal in Worcester. 
The man, named locally as Amar Pervez, was found in the canal at Spring Lane near Worcester Shrub Hill Railway Station. Police are treating the death as unexplained and it is not known how Mr Pervez came to be in the canal. An inquest has been opened and adjourned by the Worcestershire coroner with a hearing set to take place at a later date. Tributes to Mr Pervez, who was thought to be 29 years old, have flooded in with many people posting messages on the Worcester News Facebook page. Eloise Chislett posted, Rest in peace, mate. You will be missed by so many. Cynthia McCartney wrote, I had the pleasure of working with the man. God bless. Condolences to the family. Eileen Irvin posted, God bless him. Heartfelt thoughts to family and friends. Charles Jones wrote, My thoughts go out to those involved with the loved ones. Rest in peace. And Lisa Marwick added, Such sad news, my thoughts are with the family. A post-mortem examination into the death was due to take place on Wednesday. West Mercia Police received a call from a concerned member of the public just before 7.30am on Tuesday morning, reporting they had seen a body in the canal. The canal bank was cordoned off while police and forensic officers examined the area. Police living near to the canal said they were shocked to learn of the discovery. Andrew Clark, who has lived in Spring Hill for 28 years, said, It is quite shocking. Another resident, who asked not to be named, said, It is horrible to think that this happened so close by. West Midlands Ambulance Service also attended the scene. More patients are enduring 12-hour trolley waits to be admitted into hospital in Worcestershire than anywhere else in the country, shock figures reveal. Figures from NHS England show 167 patients needing hospital admission were forced to wait for 12 hours or more in A&E in Worcestershire during January, the worst performance in the entire country by some distance. The next worst performer was Pennine Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, where 125 patients waited more than 12 hours, while across the whole country there were 988 trolley waits of 12 hours plus. The data which comes from the NHS nationally recorded its worst, its worst ever month for waiting times and lays bare the extent of the ongoing crisis at troubled Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust, which runs Worcestershire Royal Hospital and the Alexandra Hospital in Redditch. It also shows 1,334 of the Trust's 3,842 emergency patients in January were kept waiting more than four hours to be admitted to hospital while just 77.3% were seen within four hours of arriving at A&E, well below the government target of 95% and the national average of 85%. The Acute Trust says it is acutely aware of the situation and has been working to reduce waiting times. But the figures are branded very concerning 
by Worcester MP Robin Walker, who says he is pushing for more money to expand A&E. These figures reflect on a very difficult period, he said. We want to see the hospital being able to see all its patients within that target. Peter Pinfield, chairman of Watchdog Health Watch Worcestershire, said, That is not acceptable and we want to see it improved. There are no easy solutions. We have just got to keep working at it. It's been stretched to its limits this year. The Acute Trust has been in special measures since the December 2015 after it was rated inadequate by Care Quality Commission, the CQC, inspectors. In, inspectors. in January, the CQC gave the Acute Trust six weeks to significantly improve or face action with that deadline passing recently, last, uh, I think it was last Saturday. An acute trust spokesman said, We experienced high levels of demand and we are on record as saying our performance is not good enough. We've been working on measures to help reduce pressures and to reduce the time patients spend in A&E. The spokesman added that new patients were often held up by those who were medically fit but could not be discharged for other reasons and it was working with GPs for care providers to solve the problem. He said extra staff were brought in to A&E in the busiest periods. Children as young as nine were reported to police for offences relating to cyberbullying in South Worcestershire last year. Sorry, I'm going to sneeze. Child protection experts said many children can feel unable to escape the messages, while Worcester mum Lucy Alexander, whose son Felix killed himself last year, aged 17, after suffering cyberbullying, appealed for kindness in an open letter published in the Worcester News. While there is no specific law that makes bullying over social media, messaging apps or text messages illegal, there is legislation to stop harassing or threatening behaviour. The figures obtained from West Mercia Police under a Freedom of Information request show the number of under-18s either reporting or suspected of committing offences under the Malicious Communications Act or Harassment Act. They reveal that more than twice as many girls than boys were reported for offences linked to cyberbullying, with 86 females suspected of offending, compared to 35 males. They also show that last year, two nine-year-old boys were investigated for harassment. It was decided not to be in the public interest to take formal action against one of the boys, while the other was deemed below the age of criminal responsibility. Four under-18s were cautioned, 12 faced court and three had to complete a community resolution in 2016. In the majority of cases, a suspect was named, but the victim either did not support or had withdrawn support from police action. Superintendent Kevin Purcell says police expect to see figures increase further as they urge people to report incidents of cyberbullying. Bullying or harassment of any type is a horrible and isolating experience, he said. This has always been a fact, and in today's world, bullying can be far more than, than in person. 
When people are together due to technology, the issue becomes wider and potentially even more hurtful, as often there is no way of escaping cyberbullying. We do significant work with schools and youth groups to discuss bullying and part of this is to encourage understanding of the issues and prevent people becoming victims and bullies. Parents should prevent their children being on social media platforms without understanding the platform themselves and the age restrictions on such sites. If giving children access to social media, apps and the internet generally for the first time, protect them by making it a condition that you can review what they're doing and have passwords that let you view all their activity. We do expect the instances of cyberbullying to increase as we're encouraging cases that have and are causing concerns to be recognised by parents and schools. In the first instance, these will often be dealt with by the school and or parents discussing it with children, their behaviour and the impact on others. On other cyberbullying that ranges from threats to revenge pornography, we will assess the extent of the crime and conduct a proportionate investigation. I do not know many parents who would not protect their child from physical harm by ensuring they had boundaries, came in at a given time, knew who their friends were, who they were mixing with, and to prevent them from any contact with any adult who was not a relative, teacher, close family friend or similar. It cannot be an excuse that, quotes, I don't understand technology, end of quote, to put their child at risk. An NSPCC spokesperson said... Online bullying is one of the biggest child protection challenges of this generation. Last year, councillors from the NSPCC's Childline Service delivered 4,541 counselling sessions to children and young people about online bullying. We know from these conversations that bullying can have a damaging and long-term impact. Children as young as seven told counsellors they were being tormented and abused by malicious and hurtful messages, from which they felt there was no escape. Anyone being bullied can speak to a counsellor by contacting Childline for free, confidential support, 24 hours a day, on 0800 1111 or at childline.org.uk. And parents can contact the NSPCC's online safety helpline, run with O2 for free. Expert advice on 0808 800 502. A thug threw a stone at an ambulance, shattering its window as it rushed an elderly cardiac patient to hospital during the early hours of the morning. The ambulance was carrying a man in his 70s to Worcestershire Royal Hospital when the incident happened, shortly after midnight on Sunday. Ambulance driver Steve Hopkins saw three teenagers walking along the A449 in Crossway Green near Starport shortly before the side window exploded, showering him in shards of glass. The vehicle was forced to stop and a replacement ambulance was requested to finish the journey, causing a 20-minute delay in getting the man to hospital. 
Mr Hopkins, an emergency medical technician at West Midlands Ambulance Service, the WMAS, said, I remember seeing three lads who were probably late teens, dressed in black, who were walking towards Kidderminster. At the last minute, I caught sight of one in the middle throwing something and the next second, the passenger window in the cab exploded, covering me in glass. It was a real shock, but thankfully I wasn't hurt. To be honest, I was more concerned about our patient. It's a stressful enough situation without something like this happening. I just can't understand why anyone would do something like this to any vehicle, never mind an ambulance. The potential for a crash and serious injuries is enormous. Mr Hopkins, the ambulance crew and patient, who was from Sutton Park, were unhurt. But Steve Elliker, WMAS security and safety manager, warned the incident could have been fatal. No one can defend their actions, said Mr Elliker. Thankfully, no one was seriously hurt. But we could easily have ended up with a vehicle leaving the road and then, who knows, what could have happened. We could have had fatal consequences. From a personal perspective, I am disgusted. Our operational staff have to put up with this. As a result, we lost an operational vehicle. If anyone sees an ambulance... It is a 50-50 chance we are on our way to an accident or there is a patient on board. Someone knows who did this. I would urge you to do the right thing and pass on your information to police or crime stoppers. Police searched the area but no trace of the youths was found. They are described as white in their mid-teens and all wearing dark clothing. A police spokesman said... Thankfully, no one was injured, but this act of vandalism put the lives in danger, those inside the ambulance and any other road users. Anyone with information can call police on 101 or Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111, quoting 002S of 12 March. Fed up residents are calling for action after yet another lorry became stuck in a narrow city street, a problem they say happens regularly. Police were called to Park Street in Worcester City Centre at about 8.50am on Tuesday to reports of the lorry blocking the road. The vehicle, belonging to Birmingham-based RGF Logistics, was travelling from the direction of Wilds Lane when it got stuck. According to the RGF, the driver got stuck after being given the wrong address. It took police officers about two hours to release the lorry after contacting owners of the parked cars lining either side of the street. It's far from the first time a lorry has become stuck in Park Street. In January, the Worcester News reported how a lorry was stuck in the same place after the driver Satnav directed him down Park Street. And last April, we reported an almost identical incident in exactly the same spot. And frustrated people living nearby say similar incidents happen almost every week. Adj Upwood, who lives in nearby Prince Rupert Road, said... 
This happens on a weekly basis. The parking on that road and the small streets around it, it's terrible. Cars are bumper to bumper up and over the bridge. The fact that people are allowed to park on both sides of the bridge is silly, as allowing the massive as, as is as silly as allowing massive lorries over a small bridge. It will keep happening as long as cars and large transit vans continue to park there for days on end. Posting on our Facebook page, Lee G. Robinson said, It needs double yellows over the bridge and the surrounding area. Simples. Others are calling for better signage, warning drivers the road is unsuitable for lorries, for these to be put in place to address the problem. Posting on Facebook, Philip Fowler of nearby Coal Hill said, With the time and cost this regular, this regular event causes, maybe the council needs to put a sign at the top of the street saying no access to HGVs due to the narrow bridge. Michael Collins, commenting on the Worcester News website, said, It's hardly a road suitable for HGVs, as are none of the roads in that area. There should be large signs prohibiting HGVs from entering the streets around the Fort Royal area. John Fraser, head of highways at Worcestershire County Council, said, We will look to see if additional signage or parking restrictions would be appropriate, although any change in parking would need to be consulted upon. In January, the Worcester News reported how a lorry was stuck in the same place after the driver's sat-nav directed him down Park Street. And last April, we reported an almost identical incident in exactly the same spot. And the final headline this week. Children from across the city are travelling to Dyne's Green to cause trouble and get into fights, according to a concerned charity chief. Worcester Community Trust has suspended its youth club at the Green Hub in Gresham Road, Dines Green, due to safety fears after an increasing number of problems. Staff say children were seen throwing stones at the centre and a window was later found smashed. The decision to suspend the youth sessions was taken after children let off a fire extinguisher at the hub and ran off with another one on Wednesday, March the 8th. Councillor Richard Udall, who represents the area on the city and county councils, say there is a significant and growing problem, but believes a a lack of youth facilities is partly to blame and is calling for more investment. Worcester Community Trust says the double-glazed window, which is now boarded up, will cost £500 to repair and that it wants police community support officers stationed at the centre door before it considers restarting the youth sessions. Helen Scarrett, head of Worcester Community Trust, says young people appear to be travelling from across Worcester to Dinesgreen looking for trouble. She also says parents are also gathering in the area looking for children who have had problems with their offspring. There seem to be some real issues in Dines Green recently, she said. Over the last month to six weeks, Dines Green has become increasingly problematic for us, with lots of problems outside the centre. It's gone beyond what we can manage. We run youth sessions at the centre, 
but have had to close them temporarily for the safety of young people and staff. The Trust holds two weekly sessions at the centre, with Mondays being the first to be cancelled. Staff are now running outreach programmes instead of holding sessions at the centre. We don't abandon young people, Miss Garrett said. I think we have only closed the sessions one other time in three years across six centres. There's a financial cost and a lack of respect. We have got brownies and dance sessions. The mums of the brownies are getting tonnes of abuse from people outside. Councillor Udell said, there's a significant problem which is re-emerging on the estate. I have had reports of issues. Users of the Green Centre have been intimidated going in and out of the building. People have been trying to disrupt meetings and some have vandalised. I think the issues are caused by a lack of youth facilities. Idle hands are all the devil needs for these problems. Councillor Udall says the solution lies in major investment and he is looking at ways of acquiring football and rugby facilities. To close the sessions is the wrong reaction. It's just going to create animosity and make the situation worse, he added. Anyone with information about the smashed window should call 101, quoting incident 0106S. Frustrated drivers were stuck in long delays as roadworks and temporary traffic lights caused gridlock across the city. Busy Worcester routes quickly became congested on Monday morning due to temporary lights controlling traffic around roadworks, with some drivers stuck in the jams for more than an hour. Four-way lights were installed in Upper Tithing at the junction with Little London and Hebb Street on Sunday, while seven Trent Water fixed a burst water main. The work continued on Monday, causing traffic to build up in both directions along the Tithing and Barbon Road throughout the day, causing particular problems during the busy morning rush hour. Elsewhere in the city, drivers using London Road were faced with heavy congestion due to two-way signals in place, while National Grid replaces old iron gas mains. Gas mains. And another set of four-way traffic lights in Astwood Road, near the junction with Brickfields Road, also caused severe congestion. Drivers and residents took to social media to vent their annoyance at the delays. Joanne Wallace posted on the Worcester News Facebook page, 50 minutes from Droitwich to Worcester this morning, <coughs> usual bad planning of too many roadworks at the same time. Will they never learn? While well, Jane Betteridge said, Ombersley and Droitwich Road are at a standstill. And Paul Vulturus Good wrote, Just avoid Worcester altogether. Seven Trent apologised for the hold-ups in the tithing and said it was hoping to have the repairs completed by the end of Monday. A spokesman said, To make sure our engineers and other road users are safe, we currently have temporary traffic lights in place as we carry out repairs. The leak was not causing any supply problems for customers, but if left unrepaired, it could get worse. 
We're really sorry for the inconvenience, but our priority will be to fix the pipe and to return everything back to normal as quickly as possible. National Grid said the scheduled work in London Road was to ensure gas supplies to residents. We are carrying out essential gas maintenance in the road to replace old iron gas mains with more durable plastic pipes, a spokesman said. This is to ensure we continue to provide safe and reliable gas supplies to local businesses and residents. It is understood the lights in Astwood Road, close to the new Chequers pub, were in place for roadworks being carried out by the National Grid. John Fraser of Worcestershire County Council's Highways Department said the work was scheduled to be finished no later than 6.30am on Monday, but overran. That should have been completed over the weekend, he said. We are going to find them, that is National Grid, for the overrun on this one. We are aware of the disruption it is causing. It wasn't planned work and we will seek to get it sorted out as soon as we can. We will be in constant dialogue with both of these utility companies to keep reminding them how important these routes are into the city. Traffic was also slow moving on Hallow Road and Bromwich Road during the Monday morning commute, while a lane was shut for tree removal work in New Road, adding to delays throughout the city. Care home residents are getting ready to warm up their vocal cords for a trip down memory lane at a special sing-along. Perry Manor Care Home in Charles Hastings Way is set to host a nostalgic event to celebrate wartime singer Dame Vera Lynn's 100th birthday from 2.30pm this coming Sunday. Members of the community are invited to join in the celebrations which will include tea, cake, classic songs and a performance by singer Martin Leonard. Ahead of the party, Perry Manor residents have been busy making red and blue bunting and wartime-themed decorations to make the occasion extra special. Catherine Matthews, home manager, said, We're all looking forward to taking a walk down memory lane and having a good sing-song to celebrate Viola Lynn's milestone birthday. Singing can be a powerful reminiscence activity, and Vera Lynn has written a number of iconic songs that many residents are likely to have grown up listening to. Even when memories become particularly hard to to remember, often music can be recalled, so a group sing-along can often be very calming for those living with dementia and can encourage them to talk about memories from their childhood. We're thrilled to be joining Care UK care homes across the country and look forward to welcoming the people of Worcester for this special occasion. For more information about We'll Sing Again, you can visit careuk.com slash sing. Now, I have three uh, small items, but they are all warnings for all of us um, about bogus callers and scams that people uh, will try. Um, The first one reads as follows. A fraudulent trader took a deposit for window work which he never completed. 
The suspect visited a resident in Mortlake Avenue on March the 9th and told them that he fitted their windows several years earlier. He then said that they needed work and took a deposit for the job. But he never returned to do the work and the phone numbers he left do not appear to work. Police are investigating and anyone with information should call 101, quoting incident number 0680S. The second is about a man who falsely told a resident he was from a water company and got inside their home. Seven Trent Water confirmed the man was not one of their staff. The bogus caller walked around the house after telling the resident that he needed to carry out checks in their property, but he did not steal anything. This incident happened in Astwood Road on March the 11th. Anyone with information should call 101, quoting incident number 0538S. And the third... Suspicions were raised after young men wearing orange overalls were spotted knocking on residents' doors. Three males were driving a white-coloured van when they carried out the door-knocking in Bainham Drive at about 9.15am on Tuesday the 14th of March. Anyone with information should call 101, quoting incident number 0111S. And I do urge all of you not to let anyone into your home who can't provide you with evidence of who they are having had a pre-arranged appointment with you um, because they may well fleece you of your money or steal you know things from uh, from out of your home Um, i've had personal experience of this and it is very very distressing so please don't let people in whoever they say they are. Intruders chased startled alpacas after breaking into a school's animal enclosure at night. About eight people, believed to be children, forced their way into the community farm at Oasis Academy, Warnden, in Edgeworth Close. Staff at the school believed the break-in was inspired after someone else, thought to be an ex-student, broke in and filmed himself chasing the alpacas over the weekend. The group of teenagers involved in the latest incident also uploaded a video of their break-in to social media. The youths can can reportedly be heard threatening the three alpacas in the clip although none of the animals came to any harm. Staff and locals went to the school at 8.45pm and helped to repair the fence and comfort the animals. Emily Hobson, principal of Oasis Academy Warnden, said, We are very grateful for the support of our local community and parents following the incident and for the assistance of those who came to the academy to work with members of staff in securing the enclosure to ensure the safety of the animals. We have reported this incident to the police, and we are looking at ways to strengthen the security around our farm. The school has the alpacas as part of its community farm, aimed at giving students the chance to learn about animals. Ms Hobson says... 
The school is now going to reassess the safety of its animals due to the incident. It will be extremely upsetting to have to give up the alpacas and the idea of a community farm, but even more upsetting if the animals are hurt as a result of being here. Police attended the school after the break-in and patrolled the area throughout the evening. Officers are now investigating and the school is calling for anyone with information to step forward and help. Anyone with information should call 101, quoting incident number 0777S of March 13. Work to cut down trees in Worcester's new road swung into action this week, although one has been spared the chop after a bat was found roosting inside. A team of engineers and ecologists have started work to fell seven badly diseased lime trees after Worcestershire County Council cited safety concerns. But workers found the bat inside a cavity in one of the trees, meaning that it cannot be felled without a licence from Natural England. Tree surgeons have capped off the top of the cavity with a council chief saying that they will apply to block off the entrances once the bat leaves via a large hole in the base of the trunk. By the end of yesterday, that was uh, written on Tuesday, so that would have been Monday, at least one tree was expected to have been removed with the project carrying on until the end of this week. John Fraser, head of highways at the County Council, says he's satisfied the tree with the bat in it near the County Cricket Club entrance does not pose an imminent safety hazard. Several tree branches are also being removed with the work being done in off-peak hours. Mr Fraser said, The diseased trees on New Road are now being professionally removed by qualified tree surgeons. Each tree is carefully inspected before any works are started and ecologists working with us on site have discovered a roosting bat in one tree. We have ceased works on this tree and will notify Natural England. As the Worcester News revealed on Saturday, during work to prepare for a planning application over a 700,000 scheme to raise new roads, Officials found that seven of the trees were in a poor state. They must all be removed within six months on safety grounds, but the work is being done now to avoid the bird nesting season. One lane along New Road was part closed after 9.30am earlier on in the week. The former pub manager betrayed the trust of his employer by pocketing the wages of ghost employees in a £33,000 fraud. Christopher May, aged 36, was jailed at Worcester Crown Court after admitting the fraud while managing the Honey Bee pub in Doverdale Lane near Droitwich. May, who has been branded stupid by his former boss at the pub, admitted fraud by false representation between August 1st, 2014 on June the 18th last year. He further admitted a common assault on June the 17th last year on a member of the pub's staff, an action which ultimately led to a financial investigation. Richard Davenport, prosecuting, said May and his wife were general managers at the pub at the time of the fraud. 
Mr Davenport said May had been behaving aggressively towards a staff member, Miles McLaughlin, who had put a sausage in another employee's drink. This caused May to sack Mr McLaughlin and throw him out of the pub. May made threats to Mr Davenport and at one point grabbed his arm, causing scratches, the court was told. Later, the complainant reported the matter to the police, but received threatening calls from May, which led to an investigation by the pub's owner, Phil Weaver, of King Henry's Taverns. As a result, May was sacked. During his investigation, Mr Weaver became aware that May had been claiming wages on behalf of ghost employees, people who had at some time worked at the pub but no longer did. May claimed amounts in the names of six former employees ranging from £149 to more than £26,000, the total being £33,135. Mr Bisler, defending, said he has made full admissions. He accepted his stupidity and foolishness. He fully intends to pay back every penny. Recorder Justin Wigoda said, You had a responsible job and the trust of your employer. You began abusing that system, creating what are known as ghost employees, people who weren't actually working there. May, now of Douglas House, Cardiff, was sentenced to 16 months in prison. Mr Weaver, speaking after the hearing, said, The real irony of it is that when he was running the pub, it was doing a very good trade. Had he run it honestly, he he would have made that money as a bonus and would not have been in prison. How stupid is that? There has been an outpouring of support for an appeal to create knitted or crocheted octopuses for Worcestershire's tiniest babies. Already, Carla Gregg, who set up Operation Octopus, has been delivered 15 octopuses since the article appeared in the Worcester News and online last week. And more people have pledged to pick up their knitting needles to help premature babies in Worcestershire Royal Hospital's neonatal intensive care unit. Miss Gregg appealed for more people to make the quirky characters after seeing the positive effect they had on her son Tommy, who was born at 26 weeks on January the 5th, weighing just two pounds, two ounces. Premature babies find grabbing and clutching the octopus's tentacles soothing because they mimic the feeling of the umbilical cord in their mother's womb. It benefits their well-being, making them feel safe and comforted. New mum Caris Thurlby has also seen the positive effect of the octopuses with her baby son Lawrence. She said, We were given this lovely octopus and Lawrence loves it. He keeps trying to pull out his nasal tube, so I've been giving him the octopus to hold instead. He seems to like the feel of the tentacles. Huge thanks to the talented crafter who spent time making this octopus. We will keep it for... Lawrence forever as a momentous um, as a momentous of his first days thanks also to all the staff for the care they've given me and my baby they've been outstanding Miss Gregg from St John's in Worcester 
thanked everyone and said she was delighted other early babies will benefit from the octopuses. They are now in the process of making laminated instructions to send out and are hoping to make packs with yarn thanks to money raised through a GoFundMe page. The 29-year-old said, The response has been really great. We've had lots and lots of messages of support. We've already had a box of 12 delivered and another three dropped off. It's lovely to think all babies coming into the intensive care unit can have an octopus. More information on how to make the octopuses can be found at facebook.com slash operation dash octopus six four two six nine three nine four five nine four oh four one one the gofundme page to help pay for supplies is at gofundme.com slash tiny dash tommy's that's t-o-m-m-y-s dash octopus dash campaign and a facebook page charting tommy's journey is at facebook.com slash tiny tommy's journey and there's a picture of the baby with octopuses and they really do look lovely the city's mayor has praised the commonwealth as a force for peace following a ceremony celebrating the global institution a flag was hoisted at the Guild Hall on Monday to mark Commonwealth Day, joining more than 850 others raised worldwide. Observed annually, Commonwealth Day is a chance for communities to champion and celebrate its values of unity, tolerance and understanding. Councillor Paul Denham, Mayor of Worcester, said, The Commonwealth is the largest organisation in the world of its type. It is a force for cooperation, democracy and peace and I think it's going to be even more important now that we have Brexit happening. I think it is important for people in Worcester to be aware that the Commonwealth exists. It's a very long-standing institution and one which we should benefit from working more closely with our Commonwealth friends in other countries. The Commonwealth comprises 52 member states mostly former territories of the British Empire. A Worcester couple are celebrating their diamond wedding. Brian and Shirley Bennett tied the knot in 1957 when they were aged 23 and 21 respectively. They married at St Barnabas Church in Church Lane off Rainbow Hill and set up home in Tunnel Hill where they have lived ever since. The couple met when Mrs Bennett, now 81, was about 15 years old and they got engaged when she was 19. There was snow on their wedding day as they left church and they enjoyed a reception at the Great Western Hotel in Shrub Hill, which was then owned by Mr Bennett's aunt and uncle. After their wedding, they went to Margate on the train for their honeymoon. Mr Bennett worked on the railways for most of his life, based at Shrub Hill, while Mrs Bennett worked in the sewing trade. She said, I worked at Isabel's in the High Street and later went to Quality Cleaners in Bromwich Road, where I worked for 15 years. 
Then I worked at Cadbury's and later on at Leo's in Newtown Road. Mrs Bennett said she and her husband shared a love of gardening. We worked together really well. Um, Oh, the gardening, sorry. She said, I love gardening and he loves watching me garden. We work together really well. We have good friends and we have a lot to be thankful for. We've had our ups and downs like everybody else, but we've been quite happy. We just plough on from day to day and do our best for one another. Try to help one another and work together. The couple will celebrate their 60 years together by joining family and friends for lunch at the March Hare. A busy thoroughfare in Worcester City Centre is to get a £1.2 million upgrade in a boost for shoppers. Worcester City Council is on the verge of finalising a significant facelift for the shambles after years of concern about its tired appearance. The historic street has fallen behind the rest of the city centre as record sums have been lavished on resurfacing works, particularly in the High Street. But the shambles will now get its own makeover with brand new resurfacing, litter bins, improved positioning for the seating areas and clearer lineage between the pedestrian areas and loading bays. The City Council's Labour Cabinet is meeting next Tuesday to agree to pump £400,000 towards it using a government fund called the New Homes Bonus. The remaining £800,000 has come from Tory-run Worcestershire County Council's £2 million kitty to upgrade town centres, which is being dished out three ways between Worcester, Malvern and Tenbury. Shoppers in the shambles called the plans brilliant yesterday and said the route had been allowed to fall too far behind. Lisa Johnson, 48, of St John's said, There's some decent shops down here, but more people would use it if it looked more attractive. The rest of the city centre always seems to be in good condition, or it's being improved, like the plaza, Cathedral Square. This street should have been improved years ago. Ben Hamer, 19, a university student who lives off Lansdowne Road, said, It sounds brilliant to me. Worcester's got some good shops. It's not perfect, but it does pretty well. If you improve the streets, then everything starts to look much better. Councillor Jeff Williams, the City Council's Cabinet Member for Economic Prosperity, said, The Shambles is one of Worcester's most popular retail areas. This proposed investment would help ensure the Shambles increases in popularity in the future a place where people regularly want to visit and socialise. The Cabinet meeting starts from 7pm at the Guildhall next Tuesday. The life and works of the city's most famous son will be celebrated this June. Organisers of the Elgar Festival are keen to get everyone involved in the inaugural event, which will be themed around Elgar 160 a commemoration of Sir Sir Edward Elgar on his 160th birthday. Festival patron is Julian Lloyd Webber and will consist of concerts, talks, tours and dinners. It would also feature an exhibition of priceless artefacts from Elgar's life 
opened by Hilary Elgar, who is the sole remaining member of the family to bear the Elgar name. There will even be a newly edited organ recital on the very organ which Elgar played in St George's Church, as well as a special Elgar Evensong in the cathedral. The festival will be opened on the city's official Elgar Day, Sir Edward's birthday, on Friday, June the 2nd, with a glittering concert at Worcester Guild Hall. It will be hosted by the Mayor and will feature guest star and world-renowned presenter Classic FM's John Suchet as guest speaker. Top-flight musicians from the English Symphony Orchestra will then perform some Elgar favourites, as well as some lesser-known musical treasures. Councillor Alan Feeney, Festival Chairman, said, I am delighted how everything is coming together. We have a tremendous programme with some of the finest musicians and Elgar scholars in the country. When I proposed that June the 2nd be declared Elgar Day, I never envisaged that we should create something so fantastic so quickly. The festival will run until Saturday, June the 10th, with a packed calendar of events, art venues across, across the city. I think that must mean in at art venues across the city. Organisers are looking for local businesses to take up sponsorship opportunities. Worcester-based groups can hold their own events and have them included in the festival. For more details, contact the festival chairman on 01905 31782 or you can email alan at alanfeeney.co.uk. There has been an overwhelming response to an appeal from a social worker for suitcases to give to children moving into care. Izzy Upton appealed on Facebook for new or nearly new suitcases because she was sick of seeing children moving into care settings with their belongings in bin bags. She felt it sent out the wrong message to children and reinforces what they already feel that day, that they are rubbish, worthless. In just three days, Miss Upton's campaign has gone viral. She has been flooded with offers of help, leading her to set up the Just In Case project. She said, I've worked in children's services in Worcestershire for 18 years and became a social worker five years ago. The thing that really stood out to me were the children moving in an emergency or moving for the first time from home and didn't have the appropriate baggage. Because it's an emergency, you don't have time to go through the process to apply for money for bags. What social workers end up doing is paying for things ourselves. Or, if you can't get to the shop, or there is no shop available, they're moving stuff in bin bags. It's a horrible thing, but it seems to be such an easy thing to resolve. Shelves are already being filled with bags, and one boy in Kidderminster was so moved... With what he read, he went and bought rucksacks out of his own pocket. Offers of help have come from all over the UK and Miss Upton now hopes the project can be rolled out to other counties. The message we want to send to the children is that they are worthy and they are valued and for them to start their journey positively. 
The response has been unreal. It's been a real shock. The idea came about when she spoke to a foster carer who had previously been a market trader and the subject came up. She just got on with it and the first delivery came from her. Then the post went on Facebook and it just went viral. It's not a hard thing to do. Most people have too many bags at home. Such a simple idea, but it makes such a big difference. Suitcases and rucksacks should be in good condition, but can be any size. For more information on the appeal, log on to facebook.com forward slash just in case project with an X on the end. The Chairman of Worcestershire County Council has praised the University of Worcester as a beacon for the county, following a guided tour of the facility. Councillor Tony Miller was given the tour of the university before meeting Vice-Chancellor and Chief Executive Professor David Green. He also had the chance to speak to recent graduates and staff. The visit included a tour of the University of Worcester Arena the Hive, the Infirmary Medical Museum at the University's city campus and the Forensic House and Healthcare Teaching Facilities at the St John's campus. It's nice to see the way the University is progressing and growing, Councillor Miller said. It is a beacon for the county. What I would hope is that University students achieve their academic potential here, then go on to work within Worcestershire live with, within Worcestershire and raise their families in Worcestershire. Councillor Miller welcomed the emergence of the new Seven Stars netball team, a joint franchise between Worcester and Gloucestershire universities. He said of the Hive, there are so many different people that actually use it. I was speaking to a group of ministers from the church who prepare their sermons there because they like the ambience and the quietness. When you think a facility like that has been created and used by so many people, it's a fine example of what we actually can achieve. And here's um, a, a follow-up. We, uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Uh, Driver White was mentioned in the obituaries earlier on. You won't need to be a betting man to lay odds on the type of music that will feature heavily at Sam Driver White's memorial service in Worcester Cathedral later this year. For this hugely popular figure, who has died at the age of 78, was a leading light in the worlds of Elgar Appreciation and the Three Choirs Festival. And come the day, the rafters will ring with the sound of choral music of the highest quality. Mr Driver White was a leading Worcester solicitor until he retired in 2003 and was well known throughout the three counties for his love of classical music and his commitment to the local community. As Vice Chairman of the Elgar Foundation and the Elgar Birthplace Trust, Chairman of the Museum of Royal Worcester Porcelain and Trustee of the Elmley Foundation, the Worcestershire and Dudley Historic Churches Trust the Dyson Perrins Museum Trust and the Harrison Clark Rickabies Charitable Trust, he was active in supporting the arts in many areas, including a lengthy involvement with the Three Choirs Festival, where he earned his spurs the hard way. Mr Driver White once recalled that at his first Three Choirs 
1975, and as the event's newly appointed secretary, he was suddenly confronted by a coachload of choral music enthusiasts from London, none of whom had tickets, but all of whom had been assured by their tour organisation, who wasn't there, that they would get in. Despite the cathedral being packed with 3,000 prepaid ticket holders, with a flash of inspiration, the new three-choir secretary held up his hand in best tourist guide fashion and the 50-strong party followed him through the throng like innocents in a foreign marketplace. He said, I took them to a far corner of the cathedral, left them there and beat a hasty retreat. Donald Hunt, a former three-choirs conductor, said that Sam was a driving force for the Worcester Three-Choirs Festival for nearly 40 years cannot be disputed. As secretary and then chairman, also becoming chairman of the Festival Association and latterly of the Festival Society, his aim was to make the festival more attractive to the public and to widen its scope. Among his many other roles, he was a leading administrator of the Elgar Birthplace Museum. He was certainly a man of action, whose enormous contribution to the artistic life of this city and county should have been nationally recognised, especially as it was conducted while he carried out his professional skills as a successful lawyer. Mr Driver White began his legal career in Worcester at Clark & Co., which merged with uh, Colonel Roy Harrison's firm in 1965 to create Harrison Clark. It is now known as Harrison Clark Rickabies, headquartered in Worcester's High Street, and has grown to number 420 staff and partners based at offices in Worcester, Hereford, Cheltenham, the Wye Valley, Birmingham and the Thames Valley. Jonathan Brew, the firm's senior partner, said... Sam lived his life in accordance with his belief that as a lawyer he served the community and therefore should be part of that community and contribute to it. He retired from the practice in 2003 but remembered a clo- remained a close friend to many of us. He will be greatly missed. Mr Driver White was also supportive of local schools including Malvern St James and its predecessors and of Worcester Cathedral, as well as the business community and of his own profession through the Worcestershire Law Society. Additionally, he was a member of the Worshipful Society of Apothecaries of London. He died suddenly at his home in the Team Valley and leaves wife Christine, his two daughters Miranda and Laura, and granddaughters Blossom and Mimi. There was a private family funeral and a memorial service will be held in Worcester Cathedral later this year. <clears throat> Residents say they are fed up of carpets blocking the pavement as a result of deliveries to a storage unit in Worcester. They have also voiced concerns about delivery vehicles parking on the pavement next to the unit in Ronxwood Hill. Mothers have reportedly been forced to go into the road with their children because the pavement outside the unit is blocked. A 33-year-old woman who lives in Michael Tippett Drive said the van and lorry which keeps parking on the path does have an impact on our daily lives. 
is usually a lorry that is parked on the pavement every day when it is either dropping off or collecting it carpets. I don't actually know who would be at fault if me and my children were on the road due to the vehicles blocking the path and got hit by a car. Would it be us for being on the road, the driver of the car or the driver of the vehicles which shouldn't be on the pavement? Hopefully there's something that can be done to prevent an accident from happening. Another local resident, aged 69, said sometimes they have carpet rolled out across the pavement and they're cutting it. People have to walk in the road to get around, especially little ones with buggies. The pavement should be clear for pedestrians. The residents say they do not know who owns the unit and polite requests to workers have had no success. The Worcester News was unable to contact anyone at the storage unit for comment. A call has gone out for the generous, spirited people of Worcestershire to step into the dark for a short time and raise much-needed funds for a site charity. Site Concern Worcestershire is organising a fundraising event called Walk the Blindfold Mile, taking place on Saturday the 22nd of April. Participants will go out in pairs, one wearing a blindfold and the other without and walk for a mile along a designated route to experience some of the challenges blind and partially sighted people encounter each day. They will be trained on sighted guiding and receive a map of the designated route marked with the locations of swap stations where the pairs swap their blindfolds. At the end, those taking part will undertake a number of sensory challenges to complete everyday tasks. Sight Concern says the experience helps build trusts as well as being thought-provoking and memorable. The event is being sponsored by LESK, that's L-E-S-K, Engineering, Perrywood, Trading Park, Worcester and Worcester Round Table. Those organisations are also marshalling the carefully selected route. Chairman of LEXT Engineering, Jim McBride, and Worcester Roundtable member Chris Orr recently practised for the walk during the Chamber of Commerce Business Expo in Malvern. Mr McBride said, Walk the Blindfold Mile is about creating awareness of the everyday struggles faced by people with sight loss and about raising money for Sight Concern Worcestershire. My wife and I will be the first pair to set off round the streets and I'm hoping that lots of people will join us. We're aiming to raise money, raise awareness and have lots of fun at the same time. Mr Orr, who works for Handelsbanken, said, A group of us from the bank are taking part to support this great local charity. It'll not only be a terrific team-building exercise but it will also help our staff to understand the needs of people with sight loss. Every year, 200 people in Worcestershire lose their sight and there are currently 19,160 people in the county with significant sight loss. Sight Concern Worcestershire is appealing for people to sign up for the Walk, the Blindfold Mile event. For more information or to register go to sightconcern.co.uk slash event slash walk dash the 
dash blindfold dash mile or call 01905 Worcester's House of Fraser Department Store has partnered with the local children's centre. The store in Crowngate will be supporting Action for Children's Tudor Way Children's Centre in Worcester as part of the House of Fraser's first official UK-wide charity partnership. House of Fraser has just launched the House of Fraser Foundation designed to support disadvantaged children in communities where its stores and customers are based. Action for Children will be the lead beneficiary and the foundation will raise funds across stores nationwide. The Worcester store will be organising a range of events and shoppers are encouraged to call in and get involved. Customers can make a 50 pence donation at the till and staff will be leading their own fundraising activities. Nick Jones, Managing Director of Fundraising Communications and Policy at Action for Children said, We are incredibly proud of our partnership with the House of Fraser Foundation and our opportunity to work directly in local communities. Frank Slevin, Chairman of House of Fraser said, the launch is a pioneering step for us and an amazing opportunity to make a real opportunity, a real difference to the communities in which we operate. Well, thank you. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. So I need to thank Judith Doherty, Audrey Luxton, Brian Wheelwright, and Duncan Wynne, who's lurking in the background somewhere. And for me, Elizabeth Hill, to sign off and hope you all have a good week. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.